0: All right. so the biggest reason that I wanted to get uh, together with everybody today is because I've gotten a lot of emails which told me that apparently I don't do a very good job telling folks how the virtual uh, part of the summit works, so I thought I'd go ahead and do a video so I could just run it all through, and again if you're in a noisy area just go ahead and mute your line and I'll come to you later. So uh, number one I'd like to quickly walk through what's going on with the Painting Profit Summit, but number two I love taking questions. Um, I've conducted about 2,400 hour-long assessments for painting companies. I've worked with 450 different painters in six different countries, so I've seen a thing or two, and I really enjoy just people will have a problem. And um, I have a 1972 Chevy Blazer. It's a very, very simple truck, and if you are a mechanic and all you ever ever did was work on one type of truck, that's it same model same make 450 times like after a while you'd be like i know what's wrong with it and it'd be like coming down the road because it's just the same thing over and over again so i like really like doing that and i'll just tell you what you need to do and you can take the advice or you can do something different it's up to you um and i'll do that at the end of this call uh, which will not take long i'm only going to spend probably seven to ten minutes going through the rest of this and so that it would probably be more entertaining. Fred Harris, there you are. I've not seen you in a long time, buddy. It's good to see you, buddy. Um, so if you would, show your screens unless you're afraid. If you're afraid, if you're in the Witness Protection Program, uh, if you're being chased by the law, do not show your screens. But otherwise, uh, show it. It's just it's less weird. Uh, man, Tom, you got a real nice office there. That is fantastic. I like that. That is fancy. That is real fancy. Um, Tom uh, works with and uh, and develops the programming over at Estimate Rocket. So um, the virtual summit. So number one, I think it's important that we talk about uh, what the purpose of. Hey, we got Ross Johnson here. We got Cheryl Waters, we got George. Welcome, George. Uh, Thomas with a Z uh, and James refused, refused to show themselves. And Craig Crow, uh, Craig, no, it's Craig Cox is uh is a notorious outlaw he is uh wanted for bank robbing in at least six different states this is complete conjecture uh but that's what i think at any rate so what's the purpose of the painting profit summit number one is um painters work in a stunning amount of isolation that is what i have found um, if you ask most painters like you know who do you ever talk to anybody about running your business do you ever get together with your peers i mean aside from just shooting the bull at the paint store while you're waiting and the answer is usually no and it's never about business and if it is about business it's like how much would you charge to paint a stairwell i mean it's like nothing that really would help you in the long term uh and there's nothing new under the sun in painting i mean nothing i wish there was um because i've I've, you know I, i learn a few things every year that are brand new but for the most part it's the same thing over and over again and so, one owner's strength is another's weakness. If you're in a room of, like, say, fifteen or twenty painters, uh, which is kind of how our hot seats work, and I'll talk about that in a moment, um, one person will be really good at um, at hiring, another person will be terrible at it. Same room. One person will be really good at marketing and sales, another person will be terrible at it. Same room, and as you bring up your biggest challenges and your biggest breakthrough, one member or or painter will say, hey, you're doing this all wrong. This is a big problem. This is a big issue. And another person will do the same thing. So it's like if you drew a Venn diagram in the room and you kind of pushed it together, Somebody's got the answer to the problem, and somebody else has got the problem. And all. And the, the key is just to share the information. And if you are in a noisy area, or if you just think you might be, go ahead and mute your line, because I'm getting a little bit of feedback uh, from myself here, and I'm sure some others might be as well. And if you want to ask questions, we're going to do this uh, in a very, very formal way. You're going to wave at the screen, and I'm going to call on you. Very technical, very technical, just like the classroom. So an owner might spend, for example, 10, five years getting really good at painting and training under somebody else or learning it on their own and then employing people. And typically, if you employ a good painter or a good crew leader, they'll like help you get better at painting. And um, but we don't ever do it in business. I mean, never, never our industry association has like 1100 members. There's like 400,000 painters. Like we just don't go and educate ourselves very much. That's just how it is in the painting industry. I, I can't figure it out, but that's how it is. So if you do something for a living, you need to really get good at it. And that's the whole point of the Painting Profit Summit. But more specifically, it's just to bring painters together because uh, you don't get an opportunity to do that. And I frankly don't spend much time uh, teaching at the Painting Profit Summit, except for the pre-day, which I'll talk about here in a moment, because you all get to hear from me all the time. I like for you to hear from each other. Uh, During that event so first things first painting profit summit virtually we start off with the operations pre day and you may look at that and go wow that's more expensive than actually attending. uh, The summit and it's because you walk away with done for you franchise grade uh, systems, and I would say, in my humble opinion, in some cases better than franchises because i've worked with every single painting franchise in existence. Um, and I have helped a lot of them change on an individual and a national level. I know what needs to be done and uh, put those things together. Uh, we're going to be walking through uh, job costing. I can't tell you how many folks, like right now, if I said, could you, could you please email me how, uh, how you did on your last five jobs? What was your gross profit? Did you, did you estimate the correct labor hours? Did you estimate the correct amount of material? Uh, can you send that to me? And most people are like, well, I think I'm making money. I'm kind of looking at my bank account. I've kind of looked at this. I've looked at that. Um, and it's just not very good. And people, if you lose gross profits, if you're not making 50% gross profits, which means doubling your money, if it's a $10,000 job, you need to be making $500 or, or $5,000 in gross profit, it doesn't matter what else you do. If you start off losing at the project level everything else is just downhill from there, so we're going to walk through job costing we're going to go through. uh, project scheduling and operations management, a lot of you every morning is a goat rope. Every day is a goat rope got to get somebody out here doing something picking up paint who's going where what's happening. And it's just ugly and it's stressful and it's giving you ulcers and so we're going to walk through the fact that most painting uh, projects have a life cycle that's about 90 percent the same and if we get that dialed in you can reproduce it it makes it easier for you it makes it easier for the painters and if you want to hire an operations manager or even bring a painter in and turn him or her into an operations manager you can do it pretty easily the third thing we're going to look at is the ultimate crew leader packet um many owners turn their painters into zombies brainless zombies by constantly texting you and emailing you and calling you every five seconds about what needs to be done. And that's a bunch of BS, and it does not work. And so what we teach you to do is to empower your crew leaders, they should be able to come to the office, pick up an ultimate crew leader packet, pick up the materials that have been pre ordered the day previous. That's where the project scheduling and operations management comes in. And then they should bring back to you a customer satisfaction form that says, these guys are awesome. And A check and you should park your butt in the office if you do not set up operations to where it can be ran from a desk. You've done it all wrong and it doesn't scale and if you hire someone else uh, to try to do it they're going to be stressed out and overwhelmed in no time just like you and they're probably only 70% uh, as good as you at running around like a chicken with their head cut off. And so they're not even going to do that as well, so if you don't equip them and put a good system in place, it just turns into trouble. Uh, The fourth thing we're going to cover and I mean we're going to move fast is the saved labor uh, and material bonus program. And that is where uh, we put incentives in place, especially for W-2 employees, so that you can control labor costs. The average, the typical uh, incentive structure for painting companies, let me move this puppy in here. The typical incentive structure for painting companies is this, you put them on a job, you don't tell them how many labor hours they have. You, you can't tell them how many labor hours there are because you don't use production rate estimating. And then you say, oh, it needs to be kind of done in about this amount of time. And if it's not done, maybe some angry words are said. Maybe maybe you tell them you did a real bad job. But that's about it. And maybe at some distant point in the future, they get fired. And that's it. That's That's like the entire incentive structure. And that does not work. And somebody else, somebody's got a lot of noise on their end. I'm trying to figure out who it is. I'm going to go ahead and mute everybody for now just because I'm getting noise and I can't figure out I think it's somebody that's called in on the phone instead of and in. so I'm going to mute everybody and then I'll come to you when you wave and this is not going to take take much longer. Um, and then so we had this save labor material bonus uh, material and labor bonus program where Basically, if you save, if, if you've got a hundred hours and you save ten hours, and if you charge sixty dollars an hour uh, for your painters, that means there's six hundred dollars uh, left in labor. That means they get three hundred, you get three hundred, and it motivates them. In addition, if there's a thousand uh, dollars of uh, paint on the on the on the project, and if they use eight hundred, there's two hundred dollars left over. You get a hundred, they get a hundred. I'm telling you, this creates a self-policing culture where your uh, painters are remarkably attuned to budgets, where they may have never been before if there's no incentive and it also it's not just uh, money, because money alone does not motivate people there's personal recognition private recognition. Um, and uh, or public recognition in addition to what are you eating there Steve and it looks like low-main noodles i'm getting hungry just sitting here um we're going to uh, we're going to go through that i'm sorry i'm a smart aleck i make jokes a lot i can't i get distracted easily as well and so um but we we go through that because that's that's really the big thing right you want your customers to be happy you want your bud your projects to come in on budget and you want certain processes to be followed and you don't want your guys to lie cheat or steal we don't overcomplicate a painting business and then finally the crew meeting blueprint uh most crew meetings if they ever happen uh are just chit chatting about what's coming down the road. And that really does not work. You want your crew meetings to be focused on metrics. And if you use the things that we've just talked about, those metrics will guide you. So that's what the pre day looks like. And if you get those five things in place, other than production rates, which Trent Husky is going to be talking about. uh in, in day one, there's not much out. I mean, there are a lot of other things. There's a lot of uh, secondary and tertiary things you could should bolt bolt on. Uh, radius marketing um gathering online reviews upselling for crew leaders um there's a whole lot of other things that you could bolt on but these are the primary ones okay so these are the ones that, that are almost just got to be there so general sessions we start streaming live at 8 a.m on friday i apologize to all of you that are on the west coast uh i can't help it we're going to be live on eastern Time, so you have to get up early or just you know we're going to record all this but you got to get up early uh we're going to run that until uh 12 ish uh we'll be taking questions uh from folks that are tuning in virtually just like this john runs the panel here uh for zoom and then he says i've got virtual questions and we come uh, to john and, and we answer those uh we kick off Uh, that uh, I'm going to give some some advice to painters that have lost their passion and immediately uh, as a little keynote for about 30 minutes like I said I don't spend a whole lot of time talking Uh, uh, 830 to 945 Trent Husky is going to talk about understanding and utilizing production rates I mean he's good at it and he is he has dialed this stuff in he's given a lot of thought to it he's he's iterated this several times And um, it it just makes it a lot easier to estimate projects and it makes it a lot easier to get accurate and to train estimators, you know he's got an estimator that has no painting experience and if you bring somebody on without any painting experience that has sales experience you've got to have good production rates. Uh, Dan's going to talk about uh, our power for uh, positive change, making your world a better place, and he has grown from I don't know 300,000 to 2.3 million in about four or five years. And that's a that's a big jump. And he's going to talk about how he got there Royce Palmer is going to talk about protecting your gross profits on every job that's really important. Again, if gross profits are lost, you're up the creek. Um, And then I'm going to do hot seat instructions. And I'm going to get back to that in a moment. And then we're going to hear from um, bookkeeping for painters. I'll explain what hot seats are in a second. Day two, uh, we start off with Jeremy Barton uh, using automation to reduce overhead again. Customer intake, running a project, closing out a project, like a lot of those things that happen are so repetitive, but instead of automating them in any way, we just like manually do them from our head over and over and over again. It's about like going to the grocery store without a list. You're gonna leave something out. It's gonna be stressful. You're gonna have to take trips back to the store uh, and people do that. Uh, Mario Meza, he's got a real interesting presentation topic. How I saved two hundred and thirty thousand dollars in one year. I got an email from Mario. Mario's got said I got a problem. I don't like getting emails where people say I got a problem, Uh, but say I got a problem. I need to talk to you about it. And I got on the phone with him, and Mario goes, "Man, I got two hundred and thirty thousand dollars sitting in this account. I don't know what to do with it." And I was like, "Well, let me talk to you about that." So we we talked talked through him about you know paying down some personal debt, uh, doing some investment, uh, looking for a shop, uh, a few other things, and he went from really just you know not doing very well to having this massive surplus because again, and and a lot of that went back to operations. This year's focus is operations. Um, we take a break. We come back with the one point five million dollar uh, panel. Uh, Matt Rathkeb doesn't know that he's going to be on that yet, but he is. And Roger Carroll uh, Roger Carroll owns a $23 million painting business, I think. I think they're around $23 or $25 million, a little, little tiny outfit. Um, and he's going to be on that panel. Uh, Matt um, Rathkeb, I, can't, I think he's got like a $2.7, $2.3 million business. And I'll pick a couple other guys, There's the big guys, because everybody wants to be in the group with the big guys. Uh, and so they can't all be in the group with the big guys, so we put the panel together and uh, we're just going to take questions from the audience and we're going to pose those to them. Uh, Ray and Tanya have really just jacked up their personal income in a very short period of time, uh, despite having to run this year with fewer painters and they're going to talk about how to increase your personal income, even in a labor shortage. And then uh, I'm going to talk briefly about how we help people at the APPC. Uh, We're going to hear from Wooster Brush Company and uh, then we'll close it out. Now, if you sign up virtually the next week um, on February 2nd through 4th, uh, we're going to group everyone up together by their sales volume. So if you're, it usually breaks out something like startup to $500,000, $500,000 to 900,000 and then it's usually like 900,000 and bigger sometimes it, it moves around, depending on how many virtual people we have, and then I conduct those so we'll get together just like this, but it'll be a group of probably fewer painters about 10 painters a group typically and uh what we do is we present you present like your number one thing that has helped you grow your business and you share it with people and if you can email me documents or one pagers or anything in advance that you think would be helpful we'll get those virtual handouts to people that usually takes about five minutes and then the next 15 to 17 minutes you go here are my problems here are my problems can you help me and then, by the time you get through 10 people it's funny because sometimes people like their first problem whoever's first is like some kind of hiring question. And then, maybe there's another one, and then, by the time you run through that a couple of times like you've kind of got this idea of what the group thinks about that and you've got some helpful information. And then, sometimes you can move to your secondary issue because you have got your question answered by the person before because the, the questions are often very common. And uh, so we do that and we run through that. Uh, we we make recordings of everything that has happened and we send you the credentials for those after. So in closing, uh, you know, we've got the operations pre-day. We've got great uh, opportunities uh, there. Uh, we've got our general sessions where you'll hear from your own peers presenting things that really work for them. Uh, and then also you get to hear in a more consolidated group uh, ways that you can improve your painting business and things that you can share to give value to the group. So that's all I got. That's my dog and pony show that took that took probably 20 minutes That's longer than I thought it would. But now we're just going to move into questions that you have about summit, which probably won't be many and then I'm just going to I'm just going to let y'all pepper me with business questions and I'm going to answer them. I do it all day long, so it's no different to do it here. Um, Robert says it looks like I joined this call without reading what it's about. I'm so sorry, Robert yeah
1: I know what it's about I just I, I just wanted to join but I don't think it was about this I thought it was the, the monthly call
0: no sadly you're mistaken that, that that will be next week but I'm glad I got to see your smiling face it makes me happy uh <laughs> anybody have any questions about summit before we just get into business improvement calls and if you need to hop off if you've got everything you need that's great I'll just hang on here with the people that have questions anybody have any questions about summit at all just wave your hand at the computer screen i'll come to you if not we'll there you go craig we'll go to we craig have, and then we'll go to fred
2: you're going to record it right
0: you are being recorded presently
3: yes right
2: but i mean okay the summit
3: i've actually got a
0: little camera in that box right behind you and you you're a very messy eater i'm just going to say that that's joke that's a joke that's a that's a cia joke Um, so yes, we're gonna record everything and it will be posted uh in customer hub and then you'll have access to customer hub. It'll be a little password and you can get in there and access it.
1: Okay, thank you.
0: So if you're especially if you're on the West Coast, Craig, and you're like, I ain't getting up that early, we'll record it and you can just hop in there whenever you want to. So yes, we'll definitely be recording it. And it will be not only will be recording it, it'll be professionally recorded. We have a guy come come uh, up. Uh, I think he's in a little bit south of Florida, and we have somebody record it so you can watch it and see it. And the, the audio visual is usually pretty good. And Fred.
1: Actually, I think
3: I have a similar question someone had in the chat, and that was the timelines of things. I've I seen it in passing a few times from emails, but what, what are the dates again for this? The
0: dates are, I should probably pull this up and write it down. Okay. Let me tell you for, okay. So it starts on Friday, the 28th, Saturday, Mm -hmm. the 29th. So the the pre-day will be on Thursday, the 27th. So the operation uh, pre-day is Thursday, the 27th. And again, that's optional. Uh, The general session one is Friday, the 28th. uh, General session two is Saturday, the 29th. And then hot seats are February 2nd through the 4th. And they run from 1 PM to 5 PM Eastern so that people can get their stuff done in the morning. I mean, if the event wasn't going live, we would start it later for everybody that could attend virtually but because it's it's live and the hot seats for people that are live actually happen in the afternoon after the general session but since i'll be tied up in those the next week i conduct the virtual ones myself
1: gotcha All
0: right. good questions any other questions about some about the the program before we actually just move into a free-for-all royal rumble of questions here george and then i'll come to Cleve. You have to unmute yourself, George. Your on your phone. That is strange. Oh, it's gonna ask me to send some kind of weird thing. Let me just find you here. George, where are you? Mm. George, all right. Let's see what I can do here. More. I have no idea what to do here. <laughs> Pin? no sorry i have no idea usually people just can talk there and i guess you just don't have a uh, you don't have one of those i'm sorry bud can't help you can you top your question in very good And then see if I can go here to the questions, I may come to Cleve and then come back. OK. Let's see here. All right. What is the cost of the summit, please? OK. Summit is uh, virtual summits four ninety seven. It should be on that page. If you go to Painters Academy, it's a little yellow button at the very top. All right. I'm going to come to Cleve because I saw him over here. And now I've messed up my view here somehow. Cleve go ahead buddy
1: yeah Brandon I was wondering can you run down the pre-day what's on that schedule just real quick um, some bullet points and what sort of resources I are, are you making available for that okay. I, I know how I read that resources. yeah. Yes,
0: so what we're going to go with so we're starting out with job costing, uh, then we move into project scheduling and operations management, then we get into the ultimate crew leader packet save labor material bonus program and the crew meeting blueprint all of these are like standalone what i refer to as modules so typically in our program they would have their own video they have their own uh, video and presentation but i'm going to run through all of that in a four hour period Uh, and so you'll the video for that will be like recorded live and it'll be posted in there the the powerpoint presentations but then you know for example the job costing excel sheets the operational reporting sheets Um, The the time cards that the guys can use when you get into uh, project scheduling and operations management. It's all the checklists. It's the big scheduling sheet uh, for all the jobs. It's um, the color um, request setup email, all the stuff that you would give to an administrative assistant or a uh, operations manager to to do all that. The ultimate crew leader packets, everything that you should really be giving to a crew leader to, to run a job properly time tracking, the meet the crew leader sheet, problem solving sheet, uh, equipment checklist, uh, the dual column, um, um, close out projects, so you don't have callbacks, the customer uh, satisfaction, liquor scale, the payment envelope, whole lot of other stuff, the save labor material bonus has all the sheets, has the sign up and the authorization form uh, that you would use uh, for people to come into the program Has all the calculations and the crew uh, meeting blueprint has the agenda safety sheets. It's just everything, it's almost kind of like a little operations toolkit, uh, and I put together all the components that, in my opinion, are like the primary thing. If somebody said, you know what are the one, two, three, four, five things you need to do to make sure your company runs well from an operations standpoint, I'd be like, these are them. And so this this is where you start first. I mean, very often when people uh, come into our program and their gross profits are awful, I start them out with two things, job costing and production rates, but Trent's going to be talking about production rates in day two or day one of the general session. So I did not include those here because I knew that he would be covering them himself. So that's that's all we got there. Thanks. All right, I'm back to the gallery view. Thank goodness. Um, what is the time commitment for the hot seat? Somebody typed in so the hot seat typically runs about three hours, usually because I run efficiently like I don't we go we'll go through three people we will take a 10 minute break. So we can go to the bathroom, you can check your emails or do whatever you play angry birds uh, water your plants take the dog out whatever it is that you got to do, and then we come back. Uh, But typically that takes about three hours, so you once you get into your hot seat group on one of those days it's about three hours and you can't just pop in. get your questions asked or answered and then abandon the group because that's not fair Uh, if you're going to get value, you need to give value so uh, that's how that works, I just saw that question pop up anybody else have any question about summit before we just move into general business questions. All right, you're you're waving down in the bottom. And your name is connecting to audio that is a very strange name i'm just joking so you may have to type your questions into the chat box let me see if there's one in here you're just gonna have to type yours in because yours still says connecting to audio anybody else have any questions i think steve did you wave or are you just talking to somebody else i think steve was just talking to somebody else. Anybody else have any questions? Will any of the info at the summit be made accessible after the summit to members? Yes, uh, we will be recording them. And uh, it will all be in the what we call the members only portal. But it'll just be for summit. And we're also going to uh, bury a time capsule at your house. And we're going to put it on 8-track. So it's going to be really awesome. We're not going to do that. I made that part up. Uh, other questions about summit. Oh, looking for more commercial repaints. <clears throat> Well, you should have come last year, because we did a pre day on commercial repaint so if you've got a time machine go back to 2001 uh, and go to Chattanooga and i'll be there Uh, say hey to the flash for me. Uh, For those of you that are comic book nerds you'll get that joke, the rest of you will not so anybody else have any questions I can help you with stuff just Stephen just send me an email separately. That'd be the best way to do that. And we can set up a time to chit chat about it. But we have an entire um, process um, for prospecting commercial uh, repaints and maintenance accounts, but not new construction, which is the devil. Uh, we have an appointment for Monday. You are in the future. I I knew you were you were already time traveling. So we've you've already got an appointment. We're in good shape then. Um, anybody else? Questions about summit before we just go to general business questions, which I'm actually looking forward to more than rattling off this stuff. Anybody else? All right, we're going to go into questions. And so if you've got a question, that's going on in your painting business, uh, you ask me and I will do my best to to answer or solve your problem. All problems will be solved and everything I say is guaranteed to be 100% right. And that's my promise to you. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and get into this. Uh, who's got questions? Just wave at the screen, and I'll come to you. Well, this is great. I'm going to go eat a peanut butter jelly sandwich, and I'm going to be done. Uh, so nobody's ask, asking any questions. Uh, anybody got any questions? Who wants to be first? Just wait. Wave, wave your hand at the screen. I do not answer questions about marital discord. Uh, I will answer questions about general health and fitness but mainly we're here for painting and painting-related items. Y'all are a slow bunch. Wave at the... There you go, James. Get in there. Thank God, the brave one. Let me see. Maybe I have to unmute you. Try to unmute yourself. I don't know how this is going to... Let me minimize this chat stuff. I think... Hey, James. Okay, go ahead, buddy. <clears throat> I can't hear you. If you're an air traffic controller, we'd all be dead. Wait a minute. maybe Maybe my volume's not up maybe it's me hold on a second no you're cranked up bud Hello. there you go you did something Uh, how you doing i'm awesome buddy go ahead
1: um my question is is um as far as commercial um buildings as far i mean i know that you can like um but the way you bid them, is it like, I mean, it would it be good to bid them like hourly, you know, like do everything, go on the job and figure out your hours and figure it out, you know, and figure out your materials. And then, you know, if and you know, cause there is a lot of these buildings sitting out here, these commercial buildings sitting out here that need painting. And to get them at a cheaper cost um my my question is to you is is that would it be effective to do it by the hour or just say hey i can do this job for eight thousand dollars okay
0: so so there's a couple things here there's two questions we've got a marketing and a sales question and then we've got a how do we price this question okay and then trade areas has got what types of presentation process should I have for a commercial repaint and how different is the and I don't know what the rest of it says because I can't see it. So i'm going to assume that I know what these questions are and i'm going to move with it so number one uh, sales and marketing going after commercial repaints is like major account prospecting and in, in that you've got to find the decision maker. You've got to reach out to them with multi-step, multimedia marketing. That's email, mail, phone, in-person visits, networking with organizations like BOMA, assisted living uh, organizations. Uh, there are also in many metropolitan areas, you have um, organizations that are like uh, uh, housing. Uh, what the heck? I'm thinking here. Homeowners association associations, and getting in those and building your prospect list is a number one, right? Because this is not this is not sit on your butt, let a uh, general contractor send you a bid so that you can lose it. And if you win it, you can lose your butt anyway, and there's no equity in it. And most of the time, there's stuff going on with it. And it messes up your schedule and it's slow pay and new construction is the devil, you just want to stay away from it. So there's major account prospecting, that has to happen. and And it takes a while. And it takes a while to compile the list because you can buy, you can buy a list, uh, you can compile it organically online, but at the end of the day, even if you buy a list you have to refine it and it's only right about 20% of the time, but once you get your list built. You've got something magical because the typical painting contractor will not prospect, they will not call they will not be persistent, they will not hang in there, so uh, the world is your oyster. When it comes to going after that because you're like you know in the land of the blind the one-eyed man is king you're the only person prospecting in your area there might be two others if you're lucky so the prospecting part has a very specific process it starts out with a campaign then we move into what we call the commercial prospecting points program and then we also couple it in with our at-home monthly newsletter so that you can stay in touch with these people right um because you've got one-on-one communication then you've got one-to-many communication And those two things are different. Now, on the pricing, it is no different uh, than the process you would use for pricing a residential uh, um, home in that you got to use production rates, right? Uh, You buy and sell labor uh, for a living. You buy it wholesale, you sell it retail. So you got to know exactly how far an hour of a painter's labor goes, and you've got to know how far it goes on every uh, surface, you got to know how many labor hours are in a job and how many labor hours are used, and you got to refine that. Most painting contractors never develop production rates. It drives me nuts. They just look at it and tilt their head and guess. And it's wrong. I mean, I've put painters in rooms, like very successful painters said, you guess the labor hours, you guess the labor hours, you guess the labor hours. Three different guesses has no relation to reality. And when you've got 50% gross profits that you're trying to hit, and if your estimates are off by 20%, well, two over five is almost half your profits evaporated because you're guessing. That doesn't work. Doesn't work. Guessing doesn't work. If you wanted to know how fast you ran a mile, would you go to a track and look at it? I wonder how fast I looks like a 14 minute mile right there, boy, you wouldn't do that you'd run the thing, you'd set a timer, you'd run the damn thing, and then you look at your timer, and you go, oh, whew, I'm out of shape. And then you, you might get faster. But that's what you do. And so if you want to know how long it takes to paint a commercial building, you might have to guess the first time, but buddy, you should never guess the second. And that's why we recommend that you keep a production rate diary for things that are odd, and that you develop your production rates now in the field for what we call your 8020 items. And that's the, the 20% of items that you're painting 80% of the time. And, and you go and you measure and that's you know Tom's program um, uses production rates and and every good program does every painting franchise in existence does because it's the only way that works. So that's what you want to do you don't price things by the square foot you don't go guess the hours. You do you measure and you do multiply multiplication and division, and then, when you run into something really weird you might have to guess, but you should only guess it once guess it once and then. And then you you got to do it differently from there on out is that helpful yes yes sorry right. that's a very long long answer to a short question but there's sure. there's lots of components lots,
1: lots, lots to it yes yeah but you so that's much.
0: helpful i'll take the next one Wa- wave your hand oh and and going down to connect to audio which I, your mother very strange lady uh connect to audio and um so what kind of presentation should you have going after commercial repaints there is this weird thought that commercial repaints are completely different than residential repaints in the persuasion department, which is what sales is. But they're not they're the same human, where does that person go in that commercial building after five o'clock? Do they just go underneath their desk? Do they sleep? Are they an alien? They're, a, they're a homeowner, they go home, the homeowner is the commercial client, the commercial client is the homeowner unless they live in a box under a bridge somewhere, they are a homeowner. And so we start out in our process by doing what we call prepositioning. We answer the phone very specifically. We do an intake process. Uh, We future pace the outcome of what's going to happen there. We send them prepositioning information by mail and email that talks about how our painters or processes and product knowledge are superior to your typical painting contractor because people are worried that you're going to steal things in their business. They're worried about sexual assault, they're worried about smells they're worried about noises, they're worried about disruptions they're worried about overspray they're worried about a, a, a lot of things they're worried about. Um, they're worried about overspray they're worried about projects being ruined they're worried about clients and production being disrupted. And all those things have to be talked to them. You show up, you dress the part, photo identification, lanyard, diagnostic survey, do the estimate. If you can present it on site, even if that means going out to your car and going back into the building, we have a big huge leave behind book of social proof uh, that talks about warranties, guarantees, background checks, and a whole host of other things, testimonials before and afters. We come back in, we walk through a company story, and then we go from there and, and we, we start asking questions and trying to close the sale. Uh, you never send things by an email. An email PDF for the price is the quickest way to lose a project. And then we have follow up that follows the sales cycle and we use mail, email, phone, text, drop buys. In many cases, if you've got a m- massive project that you're trying to close, it is a major account sales. Uh, and not only that, with, with commercial repaints, you're not just trying to close that project there today. You're trying to close that future income stream and it might be fifty thousand one hundred fifty thousand dollars a year you get in with a hospital a, a school um uh, an assisted living facility a warehouse and logistics company you name it uh, i mean these are big big projects um and and even if they're not big projects they're big clients and if you stitch together you know uh, 150 Projects over five years, they might range from fifteen hundred dollars to one hundred and fifty thousand, but you can count on some kind of recurring revenue from those clients every year. So it's a big sales job, and you have to be persuasive. You can't just be focused on price. Next question. Just wave your hand at the screen. Go ahead, Cheryl.
4: So I I actually have two questions. The first one, you've said a couple of times that new construction is the devil. So could you say a little bit more about, right, why it's hot and steamy? And see, I'm the jokester too. And then the second question is, out of the painting contractors that are out here, you know, in the US that you talk about, what percent would you say are really performing optimally?
0: So here are a few numbers. <clears throat> well, now talk about rephrase your commer- your uh, commercial new construction question. I don't believe I absolutely understood that one. I understand the second one. Did you mute yourself? You
4: kept referencing it as the devil new and I
0: wanna... new construction. Yes. 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 So and here's why. So number yes. one, <clears throat> let's talk about the reasons you want to stay away from new construction. I'll I'll be quick on this, and and then I'll move to the next one. Number one, you have zero equity. If you're in commercial new construction, you have zero equity. You don't have any relationship with that client. No relationship whatsoever. There's no client list. There's no recurring revenue. The contractor owns the relationship. When you go to sell your business, zero equity, zero zero recurring uh, revenue. They can't refer you. So that income stream is, is a one and done. That's all it is. Okay, number two. Um, the contractor can pay you slow, they cannot pay you. Uh, the client can bankrupt, the developer can bankrupt, or the um GC can bankrupt, all of which can leave you without getting paid on the project. Number two, it takes a remarkable amount of administrative overhead to even bid and complete a package for um for new construction. In many cases, there may be 20 or 30 painters bidding on a single project. Reducing your chances of winning, uh, and then finally, um, even if you win, you lose. I, I bet out of the out of the uh, twenty four hundred uh, assessments I've done, I probably have talked to about hundred and twenty strictly commercial repaint clients over the last seven years, and maybe maybe ten percent of those were what I w- were as profitable as a well functioning repaint business. Meaning you may be running $2 million and instead of making the uh, $600,000 with a 30% cash flow to owner that you should in a repaint business, these people are a like lot making. I mean, they're making like 200, 300,000 and they think they're doing well. And I'm like, you could be half as big or two third, you could be a third as big making the same amount of money in repaints. And there's equity and there's continuity income and there's referrals. The risk is lower. It's just all for all those reasons and finally uh, commercial new construction i've noticed this pattern, where it requires so much administrative overhead and project management. That it distracts you from the ability to do anything else in your business it's like a yapping dog or a whining child it's just. It's like this all the time it's just just eating your lunch all the time Oh, got to change order Oh, we got to do this thing Oh, you got to run over here Oh, this other trades just messed up all oh, your work oh. The, the the schedules changed. now we're back on now we're off now we're on now we're off lucky like it, and it's a very disruptive schedule. So, for all those reasons and others, I would say to stay away from it now with that having been said. Uh, yesterday not yesterday about three days ago I talked to a guy that does almost exclusively and only aerial lift work high high aerial lift work super specialized guys making a ton of money. I've talked to a gentleman's that a gentleman that got in uh, with a GC contractor that only works the very specific type of client that has very high margins and they pay for quality he's doing well. But that they're like exceptions they're not standards now. um, Of the of the 2400 surveys i've done how many are doing well, not many the average painting business in the United States is 1.7 people it's a dude and two thirds of a helper. When you go outside and you look at the paint store, it's not like if you went to a place that plastic surgeons, attorneys or lawyers went, there's no Mercedes out there, there's no Cadillacs, there's no Escalades, it's old, beat up vans and trucks. And it's people who are barely getting by. And that's the truth. And and it's not because the works not out there. And it's not because you can't make high margins. It's messed up. And here's the thing that really drives me nuts. And then I'll move on to another question. There are two thousand labor hours in a year. Everybody shake their head. You take two weeks off. There's two thousand labor hours in a year. If you only charged fifty freaking dollars an hour for your personal time and you painted, that's a hundred grand. But people are working all year, making fifty thousand dollars with a helper. How do you do it? It's because they don't understand the mathematics of painting they're afraid of math. And they know everything is a big problem in our industry. They know so much they can't make any money. And it's something's wrong. And so what I try to do is boil it all down to the basics. You're trade connecting to audio. I've not seen your face before. Now I know who you are. That's good. For some reason, it just only says connecting to audio. but Then it shows up on the bottom here. And so that's what I try to do is help just simplify a business. So, to, to simplify it even further, if you're making 50% gross profits and if it's just you and two buddies painting, you should be making hundred grand if you're doing 2000 labor hours. You should be making $25 an hour off your buddy. Now, some of you are in markets where you can charge $65, $70, and almost all of you are in a market where you can charge $50. i have not seen a market that wouldn't sustain 50 yet. Uh, I've got people painting out our Indian reservations that are getting 50 I got people out in Missouri where there's nothing but cornfields getting 50. Um, if you if you make $25 off a of buddy and $25 off another buddy that's $50 that's $100 $100 times 2000 hours is $200,000 now you may have a little bit of overhead that might come out of that, but you should be making money off materials too. So let's say that that uh, that two hundred thousand um, dollars, you doubled that to four hundred thousand because that's what. Well, you'd actually. marry two hundred. I'm, I'm doing bad math here. Hold on a minute. 50-52. fifty-two. They're both 100, hundred. 100. That's three. That'd be three hundred thousand dollars. You should probably have about thirty thousand dollars in materials, and you should be making probably another thirty thousand dollars, twenty thousand dollars off your material, and that probably cancel out your overheads. It should still be two hundred k, but that is not what I see. I see like 50 60 40 30. I see, I tell you what I also see. I see negative. I see 1.2 million dollars in sales and we lost money last year and I'm like I have no idea how that happens. But it happens. I got 2 million dollars in debt, 500,000 dollars in debt. I'm like oh my god. This is a cash flow business. How did this happen? And It's just because people don't understand the business fundamentals. I hate to be doom and gloom, but that's what I've seen. If I saw something different, I would tell you i would tell you but I, I i don't but the but the positive side is there's no reason for that and everybody at the summit for the most part's making money um so i know it can be done brian i'll come to you buddy unmute yourself i can i'll i'll do it for you hey you there can. we
3: go i got there it you go. can you hear me yes sir right on so residential repaint guy um, I, I keep scratching right at a million bucks in sales a year um, i've been at it for 20 years, we do make money, um, otherwise I would have hung the hat up and done something along long ago. I would like to become irrelevant in my business, I would like to um, have this thing run when I go on vacation. Uh, how do I do this And 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 before you answer that question what does, what do you think a. And I want to be lean and mean we don't have a shop we used to i got rid of it my overhead is we're light um i'm nimble uh we do charge i'm in a great market um i really try to stick to 85 bucks per man hour uh with and that's fully fully loaded with materials so i would
0: say first thing is don't don't conflate your materials with your labor that costs you a bunch of money i've seen people do that where they they combine them both because like oh it's about 10 to 20 percent but that you want to separate your labor and materials because what happens is like you're painting a house and it's like all trim work it's 85 well there's no materials in it hardly and you do great then you go paint a house that's all siding and
3: yeah. then it's
0: 85 dollars. you don't do as well so i'll just separate that figure out what you want for your labor hour figure out what the materials are and then figure out what your markup for material is figure out what your markup for uh labor is but don't don't marry them Cause you'll lose money every time i've had somebody separate those and so they can get data and look at it the next year they've made a whole lot more money because they're they're one has very little to do with the other that's one thing i just that's just a tidbit for everybody here because it's a rare thing i see it happen occasionally but it's, it's a very odd way of pricing things
3: it's interesting Uh, for years I did separate and I just realized that it constantly continues to end up being somewhere in that range uh, in the winter and then in the summer we're trying to be more like 95 so Mm -hmm. we can go deeper into that my a a bigger question higher level question though is what do you feel like uh, a company looks from an admin perspective uh, headcount in other words non field producing revenue generating people like what's the headcount and overhead look like for a company that wants to go to say 1.5 million.
0: Okay, so, <clears throat> you know, when numbers fluctuate because you're getting $85 a man hour, if you took out materials, let's say at 75 or 70 to 75 or whatever it yep. happens to be. Yes. Um, so the question I think is, is primarily like, if you wanna get out of it, how do you make that happen? And then the other question is, what do you enjoy doing personally in your business? If you still want to work in it um as you get to the point to where you can you can go on vacation for a couple of weeks and not feel like things can fall apart
3: I think so months
0: three months i've seen it happen I, there's yeah. got a couple of members that are you know just they they bake now they're not gone the whole three months they're gone three months out of the year they might not do it all at once and if you did do yep. it you probably do it during the winter i'd be yep. ideal time but so number one these are the steps that i typically like to walk people through as they bring on overhead and, and some overhead is income producing, uh, or can be and and some uh, overhead can save expenses so that that money that you're spending on that particular person may or may not be truly overhead and but we'll walk through this So number one, <clears throat> answering service. I know this sounds crazy this I'm just talking about all forms of overhead related to a human. So number one is is answering service uh, answering service is a lot cheaper than uh, getting somebody to sit and just answer the phone so that's one of the first things I do and even if you do have an administrative assistant it it, it still is better to have Um, uh, calls are abandoned at about 65 to 70% cost the average owner about $480 every time the phone rings and it goes to voicemail got to get the phone answered nights, weekends when you're on the toilet eating lunch you're talking to somebody else get the phone answered second one is a bookkeeper okay that's it is overhead so you're asking about overhead that's another thing you can outsource very cheap Uh, we recommend bookkeeping for painters because they work in the industry they can give you data that actually matters and you can tell how you compare to some of the people in the industry the third uh, position that i like to see people bring on is an administrative assistant boy they can help you with they can help you with sales they can help you with marketing they can help you with uh, freeing up your time that can help you with operations. As long as something is sim- systematized, simple, and recurring, then then that works. Your next hire is where there's a fork in the road. And you got to decide do you want an operations manager or do you want an estimator? One of the two. Now, if you're the salesy guy and you like to go sell and you do really well at it, you probably don't want to give that up. You probably want to pick up an operations manager. The issue with hiring an operations manager <clears throat> is that you've got what I call the donut. You got a lot of work in the morning You got nothing to do in the middle of the day, if you do it right, and then you got to, you got work at the end of the day. Because you got to get them started and then you got issues that you'll handle, then you got like nothing to do in the middle of the day, then at the end of the day you've got to order the paint and, and adjust the schedule and schedule people to go to new jobs, so what you can do is give that operations manager uh, additional duties. Um, it could be running a referral route, it could be um, doing radius marketing. It could be um, helping with administrative tasks so that they're just not idle. But a good administrative, uh, good operations manager, if you tie their compensation uh, to uh, gross profits, can really work with your guys to save labor, to save materials, and in many ways almost offset 30 to 50% of their uh, salary. And if you put them on lead generation or upselling um, tasks, if they're inclined to do it and are good at it, not all of them will be you can almost make that person revenue neutral. And then you got to decide, okay, am I going to stay in sales? Uh, and I'm just using the sales example here, because most owners decide to stay in sales, not all uh, I didn't, um, the, then you get into the point where, okay, I'm, am I, am I going to get out of sales or not? And then when you get out of sales, at that point, you, you've got to ask yourself, okay, I got to do the division, how many leads is this person going to consume? How, what do I have to do to ramp up my marketing? One thing I do know, is that you likely do not uh run a customer reactivation or a retention program and you probably don't communicate with your past clients very much or very effectively if you did there's no way you could bid a million dollars in sales after 20 years you're losing as many clients as you're keeping every year
3: i have recently started to follow up with clients but every single time i start that process we get overwhelmed and booked and then it falls off
0: yeah so that's a that's a uh That's a capacity issue so you know what is recruiting recruiting is nothing more than marketing and sales to the painting market and every paint store that's out there has about 100 painters attached to it and so if you got two or three paint stores in your area you've got two or three hundred or four hundred paints the painters because they don't uh, paint is not a collector's item it's not like a beanie baby people don't go get paint and then put it in their basement and show them to their friends they don't put them in curio cabinets that crap gets put on a wall Within three or four days, so when people say oh there's a painter shortage yeah but your job is just to get enough for your company, your job is not to solve the industry's problems your job is to solve your company's problems. So if you if you have a, a hiring and recruiting problem that's a capacity issue that keeps you from talking to your clients. Those are two things you're going to have to solve it's both your uh, your uh, client retention and reactivation problem and your capacity problem, if not you're not going to be able to
3: grow your company big enough for you to get away from it so are you suggesting that the place to find painters is actually at the paint store
0: it's like where would you find a bee at the beehive probably
3: well no but i'm I'm being serious I, I mean, well, I mean, there's, so there's
0: multiple there's multiple ways that you can find painters but uh, you've got to find them where they are and in this environment which is uh an employee's environment not an employer's environment uh your job is to offer better employment and to give them reasons uh to separate themselves from their current employer because you offer better employment it is not uh to offer them employment you don't if they've got employment they don't need employment what they need is better employment and what that requires is you interrupting them where they are in their process or in their uh career and shake them enough to where a lot maybe there is a better opportunity and a lot of that is kneecap to kneecap it's the same thing almost as commercial sales in a way because every painter is worth about 120 or in your case, about $160,000 in revenue. And it's so funny, uh, an owner will bend over backwards to close a job. And then when it gets to recruitment, we want we want the painters to crawl on broken glass to us and go through a bunch of hoops and we won't go meet them and we won't talk to them and we don't give a crap about them. And and then they're like, oh, I can't find anybody. I'm like, well, that's your own fault.
3: I, it's not that i don't give a crap but i would definitely put myself in the uh, bend over backwards to make a sale and that's definitely what i'm excited about and production capacity is definitely our limiting factor that's what's holding me back 100 percent.
0: yep so you just got to solve, I and mean, you got problems to solve it those are just business system problems that's all it is it's the same everybody's got the same problems
3: so radon always
1: speaks of um you know finding painters at the store um even out when they're at a, like a hardware stores. I just recently found a good team of three at uh, at a job that wasn't mine. I came up to the guys <laughs> and now they're doing great work for like, a, it's been a, a week and it's great. They're going much faster than my guys and much better than my guys.
2: <laughs> so yeah,
1: whenever, to you, Brian, as <laughs> wherever you can find painters, but uh, Brenna's trying to say that's, the easiest place to find
0: paint is the paint store it's it's a it's like hitting on a lady in the supermarket Done exactly that. what it's like you talk to me let me i'll give you a little script here and then we're going to move on to somebody else although this is relevant to everyone <clears throat> i'll walk up to a painter and i say this Write that you write this down as quick as you want to i go i go hey i said how are you doing today oh, i'm doing great so how do you lock on in your own painting business why would you ask that question brian
3: why would I ask that question? Yeah, if you're
0: gonna ask a painter, well, how do you like owning your own painting business? Why would well, you, you ask shock
3: question? him into a he's gonna be like, Well, I don't own a painting business, you're gonna find out. You're, you're there you yeah,
0: go. 100%. yeah, so why do you own your paintings? Oh, I don't own it. He said Earl, I'm, i work for Earl. Was Earl around? I hear good things about Earl. No, Earl's not here. That's the best thing you can ever hear. He's not here. Well, how do you lock it over there? And it doesn't even matter what they say because some people have good jobs and they complain, some people have bad, uh, good uh, bad jobs and they won't they, they're in they got a good disposition, doesn't matter. And I always say, well, listen, I know you're busy here today, but I'd really like to talk to you about your painting career. Uh, my name is Brandon Lewis. I own XYZ Painting, and uh, we pay our guys the best. Uh, we have the most organized uh, process. We've got room for upwards advancement. And I know, I know you're happy where you are, but I would like to be your second choice. Can I get your phone number? And I get their phone number, and I just I wear them out. I'll show up at Burger King where they are. I'll come over there. Where are you working today? I'll come over there. It's like I take you out to lunch. Can I see you? Can I whatever? Because I mean they're worth so much money, and then they'll go. Oh, I don't want to leave. I'm like, I'm not trying to hire you here, bud. That's fine. I just appreciate. I would some time with you here today, and I'll leave. And then and then about a week later, I'll call them up and say, man, I can't stop thinking about you and the other fifteen guys. I just sat down and called. Can we get together again? And I tell you what, that second visit about 50% of them fall, but you've got to get off your ass and you've got to engage people and you can't, if you don't need them right then, doesn't mean you don't stay in touch with them. I get in, I get on my phone, I get in front of my spreadsheet and I text, how how's Susie doing at soccer, question mark, how you doing, Is how's it? what are you working on today, what's going on, I'm like a I'm like your wife's ex boyfriend won't leave her alone. I'm just like, I'm always just, I'm just on the, I'm just, and eventually, like one day they get mad at who they're working for <clears throat> because they're disorganized, because they don't have their crap together, because uh, they're not paying them right, because whatever happens. And then they're like, I'd like to talk to you. I'm like, I know you would. It's a law of, it's just a law of averages. And you work that list just like you'd work a commercial prospect list. And you, as long as you're better than the other painters, you will have all the painters you need. But then you have to be a good boss. You have to have all those things, the save labor bonus program, you've got to have uh, room for advancement, and then you got to create this environment where you know with me, it was always the stern and loving parent. You knew what I was gonna expect. If your son got in jail, I'd bail him out. If you needed some money, I'd help you out. whatever. as long as the jobs came in on budget and the customers were happy, yeah, it was gonna you are gonna it'd be like working for yourself without the stress because I don't middle I don't micromanage. So you can solve those problems. They've, they've been solved. we got tons of people that solve them, but most people don't really want to solve them.
3: Quick, quick question.
0: Well, I'm uh-huh. going to have to go to somebody else, Brian.
3: Summit question, though, just about dates. Yes. I'm very interested. Uh, during hot seat, though, unfortunately, will not be in town. Is mm. there another date I should look at, or should I try to figure out how to make it work?
0: See if you can figure out how to make it work. If it doesn't work, I mean, hell, I'll just get on the phone and help you myself.
3: That's All right. just a fit all right gentlemen i got about five more minutes and i'm out but I'm, right. I'm anybody it. has to
0: leave you can leave i'm not going to take names and numbers and be all mad here you all y'all go y'all are grown people um, by the way
3: i've emailed you and i'm waiting to hear back oh just now uh no over the last couple of days it's okay. from your some of your auto response stuff
0: okay i'm working my way through a bunch of emails right now it's not domino's pizza and i'm not 30 minutes less. i'm real slow about some of that stuff i do get back to people but sometimes i'm slow about it it's all um, good. awesome other questions, guys? Just wave at the screen. I'll try to answer them. You may not like my answers, but I'll tell you what I know. Wave at the screen. I'll help you. I'm going to, James, you've already gone. I'm going to go to Alicia, and then I'll come back to you.
4: Hey, how's it going?
0: It's great. I'm glad you're here. Yeah. You're finally, somebody making this place look good. I tell you what, no. it's,
4: terrible. <laughs> Thank
0: it's, you. it's terrible around here.
4: <laughs> okay, so brand new to this whole program. So just barely started but I I know about the regular meetings with all the Mm -hmm. crews. So this is our dilemma and we haven't been able to figure out how to make it work. So we live on the border of Idaho and Wyoming and we have a gigantic mountain pass that we have to travel to Jackson Hole, Wyoming. So it's 45 minutes. We have half our crews that live in Jackson, half our crews that live in Victor, Idaho. And then we work in jackson and victor and then all the way on the other side of a pass in star valley which is like an hour and a half from victor or either way so you have this like big triangle and if we make them drive over an hour to do a meeting in victor then they have to drive an hour back or wherever we're trying to figure out how we're supposed to do that do we just bite it and pay for their travel time to travel two hours to come to a meeting
0: so You're not the first person that's had this awful problem and some people have this awful problem and they're in a metro area and they're only 30 minutes away from each other normally but it's like an hour and a half to get there and back with traffic so sometimes it can be a mountain pass and sometimes it can just be an interstate um so in those cases it costs you more to do crew meetings but i'm telling you crew meetings are efficient and they're effective because you're talking to everyone And additionally, uh, there are things that are. I'm going to hit the mute all button because I think somebody is somebody's somebody's got something going on, Uh, and I'll unmute you. Why don't you unmute yourself? Because I'm afraid I'm going to mess something up. There you go.
4: I just want to. I have a fish tank in the background. I just don't want it to be. I can't.
0: I can't hear the fish, and I, (laughs) I, I can't even speak fish. So if I did hear them, I wouldn't even know what they were saying. And so the we have a lot of people that have this problem. So but in corporately, things happen that never happen on Zoom. They never happen uh, outside of a group. It's the reason that churches and civic organizations and every every humans are social and you can't get public recognition privately. It doesn't exist. There's this this thing that happens when humans come together that can't happen any other way. It can't be reproduced. That's why I do summit in person. That's why we're the only person to do Um, do an event last year uh, live in our industry, even though half the people died, God rest their soul and their grandmothers. It was very sad. Um, And so we all got together. (laughs) Matt's got the slow smile down there. Anyway, we all got together um, and because it's important. So I would recommend either A, picking a central location, even if it's not your office, a lot of times, uh, your paint store will allow you to do this. Uh, there's a lot of people that you just meet in the back of the room. Uh, another thing you could do is is move from area to area. If it is that disruptive uh, to your people, you could do it bi-weekly instead of weekly. I probably wouldn't do it any less than that. You could perhaps do Zoom in, in between. Uh, you know, so we do Zoom uh, on the first um, Thursday or whenever you decide to do it of the month, We get in person on the second Thursday. We do Zoom on the third Thursday. On the fourth Thursday, uh, we do um, Zoom again. And then if there's a fifth Thursday, we don't meet. I mean, you can get in a cadence. But I do believe that even if you do have to spend money on labor to get people to the meeting, it's well worth it. Uh, I just, especially if you start administering programs, like if if you've got programs to administer where you recognize people for saving labor and materials and customer satisfaction, and when you feed everybody and there's camaraderie, there's real value there, as long as the agenda is put together well, and as long as it's focused on measurable outcomes, uh, and that can also be safety, it can be team building. Now, if it's just a bullshit session, and Why pay the money? But if it's an agenda-driven meeting that's going to move metrics, it, it's worth spending the money, in my opinion. Okay. So I hope that's helpful. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Thank you, Miss Alicia. Is it? It's pronounced Alicia. Alicia. Oh, I messed it up. Alicia. Thank.
4: <laughs> it's
0: you. all good. Yep. All right. Other questions before we wrap it up here. It's almost four twenty. I know you painters. You got to be careful here. What's going on? um other questions anybody else just wave craig and then i'll come to james i think i lied to james james isn't paying attention anyway he's he's playing angry birds i can tell go ahead craig
1: all right you have a couple more programs beyond the uh the summit um can you touch on those a little bit
0: i mean we have a just a larger membership program uh the summit is just like when we get together once a year everything else um i don't want to waste i don't want to waste everybody's time but you know we just basically what we do is we have a series of uh, business systems that i help implement into people's businesses depending on what they need some of it is prescriptive meaning that every member goes through it uh, our core five for example then people graduate into the mastery uh, calendar for example this month's uh, module is how to hire an administrative assistant and we've got all the screening questions The uh, uh, for the non-technical interview, we've got the, the technical assessment, we've got job postings, we've got, hey, here are all the tasks they can do, here's an example of a calendar, like how do you, because a lot of people, they need help in their business, but they, they bring a lady in, typically, it's about 80, 90% of the time, a lady, occasionally it's a man, and they bring somebody in, and they don't know what to do with them, and then they're, you know, they're, here here she is, I don't know what to tell her to do um, or, or worse yet, they just dump a bunch of work in their lap. And then when it doesn't turn out, well, they're, well, I mean, if you, you can't do that with a painter either. And so we te- teach people how to bring on key hires. Uh, we teach people how to like, stay in touch with their customers. We have a power paint presentation process. We have all the operations stuff, uh, different recruiting and hiring tools uh, in our uh, quick start recruitment and hiring program recruiting Latino painters uh, in the Spanish speaking community um, going after commercial repaints just basically anywhere there is a problem or an opportunity I have kitted up some sort of little business solution that just tells people how to do it Uh, but what we don't do is I don't don't talk at all about how to paint stuff everybody knows how to paint stuff and um, there's no shortage of that information out there but there is a shortage of, of business uh, improvement information and specifically business improvement information that is. That starts with the most important things and works their way backwards, a lot of people get hung up on tertiary things that really don't make a difference. Uh, and so we try to focus on the main things first, and if you ever get to the secondary things or the, or the tertiary things great, but if you don't you'll still make a bunch of money just covering the basics. So if you email me, if you ever want to set up a time to talk, I can get into more detail there, but I don't want to do a sales pitch here or anything. I just want to answer questions today. Other questions, can it come to you, James? Lay it on me quickly, here we go. One more time, James, there you go. There you are, go ahead. No, no, sorry, you're still not, you're, whatever you did last time, do that again. You may just have to top yours into the question. Ross just joined us. Ross, do you have any questions?
2: Uh, yes. Go ahead, I've, bud. I'll come me? back
0: to you, James, once you figure out how to do your audio.
2: Okay, can you hear me okay? Yes, sir. Okay, so I'm, uh, I'm 73, I've done 3,500 projects myself in my painting career and uh i'm still strong and need to still make money and i'm wanting to find out how to better generate leads for commercial uh work if you have any details of how to actually uh,
0: were you here during the first part of the call i
2: I was and i i heard what you said about that and i'm just wondering if there's a you know, like um, computer programs, computer advertising, things that you know would bring automatic generated leads.
0: Yeah, I'm looking for a computer program that'll actually put money in my mailbox, so I don't have to work, Ross. Um, so once you <laughs> once you find yours, I'll, okay. I'll I'll quit looking for mine. So though there's no everybody wants some bullshit like that, excuse my language, my wife has told me my language has gotten is degraded here recently she's gotten on to me about it, I need to get better at that sorry. Um, and so it it is just kneecap to kneecap now, can you do inbound organic uh, lead generation for commercial painting absolutely you can set up really good strong uh, websites, but the thing about commercial repaint is twofold. Number one, the, the lead volume is low, right? Because the search volume is low, people don't search for it very often. But when yep. you get a lead, it's a good lead, but there just aren't as many of them to get. So you can do that. And, and we help people do that. We build websites here. Um, we've helped some people in some very competitive metro markets start generating leads in commercial. If you're not in a competitive metro market, it's a little bit easier uh to get there quicker uh if you're not it takes longer to get there it takes more money takes more time takes more patience takes more content but you can get there um <clears throat> but the uh the swap a credit card get a bunch of commercial leads without working at it
2: and, and
0: i've not found it yet
2: doesn't work okay so it's uh
0: it's right beside the fountain of youth i think it's, i think so cortez, cortez is still Ooh. looking for it somewhere down in the rainforest
2: okay so is there one one other question is there um as far as bookkeeping is there what should we be looking for we're looking at changing bookkeepers are not really happy with what was i
0: I would recommend bookkeeping for painters
2: Okay, so that's a business that is a
0: business bookkeeping for painters you can tell them brandon lewis sent you the the thing about bookkeepers is this somebody sent me the other day their quickbooks is terrible you send they send me some profit and loss statement which is just garbage you can't tell crap from looking at a profit and loss statement uh in quickbooks because it's not set up it's not set up to where you can get any information that would help you make business decisions it's just it's more for the tax man and uh and for compliance if you really want to collect information that's helpful to you you need somebody that that can isolate that information and do it now in our program we have I mean really honestly if you do job costing per job and you do weekly and if you do monthly summaries that's 80 percent of the battle and then I have a, a thing that I like called a cash flow projection sheet and, and on the top are all your painters and what you charge and how many hours you work and what percentage of the time you have that you come on budget and what your um, uh what your overhead is and then that tells you what your gross profits are going to be generated, whether you use subcontractors or W2, and then from there, you subtract all your administrative overhead, and then what's left over is yours to keep. I mean, a painting business is very simple. It's just a cash flow business. People really overcomplicate their bookkeeping. I mean, you don't really even, I mean, I'm want to say you don't have to do bookkeeping, you do. But I'm saying it could be a lot simpler if you make money on every job. And if you know how many painters you have and if you work X number of hours and if you make $25 a painter and if they work 100 hours, that's $2,500. That's $2,500. $2, if you do that for four weeks, that's $10,000. And if you've got $3,000 overhead, then you get to keep $7,000. And then it goes into the bank account. It's that simple. And so I recommend that people first simplify their painting business and make sure they really understand it um before they just go out and start looking for services and and other things because sometimes you just it's just simpler than what people make it
2: where do i find the bookkeeping for painters
0: um i would go to the inner tube and i would type in bookkeeping for painters
2: okay thank you very much
0: they will pop up and you'll talk to morgan ray or if you email me i could actually just put you directly in touch with the person you need to talk with
2: all right Thank you very much.
0: Uh, Tradarius asks, is there a certain software you can use to load in your production rates after you narrow dot 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 uh, estimate rocket Tom's on here? Uh, some people do it in Excel, some people use other programs. I mean, it's it's multiplication, division and and addition, it's all pretty simple. But uh, there are a lot of other programs out there that allow you to do more than that. Keep up with your clients um uh, manage some of your production send out some automated emails uh, put it together in a uh, presentation that is um, more persuasive and more professional allow you to know if you've emailed one after you've presented it on site and printed it which I do recommend that you do um you know that you can know if they've opened it or looked at it again or if they have interest there's all kinds of things that you can do uh but you know tradarius you've actually got audio now say something say something no sorry no audio thought you had it don't have it um so i hope that helps i just saw that pop up on the bottom any other questions before we wrap up well guys go ahead james Sorry, James. Today's not your day, bud. Today's not your day. You're mute. <clears throat> Next thing you know, you're gonna have to uh get a job as a mom. Do you know sign language? It wouldn't help you because I don't. Sorry. All right. Okay, we got one more from Alicia, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap it up here. Go ahead.
4: Okay, so this is about hiring, and I know we talked to Brian or something about hiring more painters. So we are in a position. I guess I wanna know if there's any other businesses out there that have like super peak season. And then like we had 27 guys for the summer and fall, but then we dropped down to four or five in the winter. And so we get visa workers from Mexico, but that's a crap shoot every stinking year. Um, and we just found out that we more than likely won't get them. And if we do, it might be the end of June. I think
0: they're all here in Tennessee. So uh, I'm sorry, they got stuck here. They left the warm climate and they just didn't make it all the way up to you. Man. Sorry. Um,
4: <clears throat> so my question is, since like we're so dependent on visas, if we don't get them, we're trying to figure out what do we do next? Because it's like hiring a bunch of people is hard when you don't have enough work for the entire winter to keep them full time.
0: So this is an age old problem. Uh, and it stinks for people that are in Canada and in the northern United States it did every year and you have to deal with this. So you know, obviously the, the same methods that you've used before to, to mitigate some of this you use you call people back up you keep your best guys so on and so forth um, commercial repaints can help, depending on what you got there. Uh, if you really start working that market, it tends to be more responsive. People do spend money uh, in and around the fiscal year, beginning and end, as budgets are released. That can offer you some relief in a cold climate. I know a lot of folks that work in ski lodges and, and property management, manufacturing during the winter and exceptionally cold climates. Uh, second thing that can really help you a lot, again, is customer reactivation. Wake up, Craig. Come on now. Customer reactivation and retention. Uh, because a lot of people don't reach out to their clients very often. And if you run a campaign uh, in late fall heading into the winter, a lot of people are just leaving money on the table in their lists. And even though the organic demand is diminished, you can still get all of it. And I've seen people add 100000 hundred thousand, two hundred thousand $200,000 just by really uh, doing a multi-step, multi-marketing campaign to their list. That's another way you can help so that you can get some demand up. Uh, the other way that I think, works pretty darn well for a lot of our guys is they start combining w2s with subcontractors, especially on um, exteriors where you have the least amount of problems and the least amount of scrutiny. And if you can find six, seven, 10 painters uh, on three or four different sub crews who can come in every summer uh, and handle the exterior overflow, um, that takes a while to bring them on, then you're not on the hook for them all winter, and they're doing their other types of side work. Uh, that's another way to mitigate it but it does stink when you're in a cold climate it is it is, and you're in the painting business it is one of the things that makes the industry very unattractive yeah. truly because it's not consistent during the winter
4: right
0: so subs ramp up recruitment you got your visa thing you're going to try to work see what you get then you've got um you know customer reactivation going after commercial um, prospects but at the end of the day <clears throat> you can make winter less um less of an less impactful on your business in a negative way but you can't turn winter into summer and you right, can't right. you can't spend your way out of it either people i've watched people just waste gobs of money doing that too so it's it's a it's a tough problem thank you i'm right, gonna try you one more time james go ahead i got
1: it i got Woo! it this time i think
0: there I you go
1: I'm sorry um my question is to you is um um work subcontractors working for uh general contractors what what is I mean it's do you have any like bad things towards it or any good things towards it
0: I don't understand the question say it one more time in a different way
1: like like say i'm a subcontractor working through a general contractor that's bigger than me and uh, he's generating jobs for me and i'm going out and doing the jobs and i was just trying to get some of your ideals on um
0: is it something
1: good to do or
0: it is as i've previously stated it is awful in my opinion for all the reasons that i've talked about before no equity, no recurring revenue, high risk, lots of administrative uh, issues, a risk of non-payment bankruptcy, liens, holdouts, um, or whatever you call retainers, interrupted schedule, uh, ogling blueprints ad nauseum, which they spend all of 10 cents, Uh, When they put together blueprints about painting it's like buried underneath some kind of little footnote somewhere and and nobody gives a rip about painting in the budget because it's so small. That if they screw that up they're not going to be they screw the foundation up they screw up the mechanical they screw up the roofing system they screw up the framing. But they're going to be cost a lot of money, but if they screw up the painting, the only person that pays for that is the painter. And so it's not that big of a deal, and so it is new construction for the painter is like just terrible, I would recommend going after repaints and building your business exclusively there. Okay. Alright guys i'm going to sign off here before somebody asks me a question I don't know the answer to and I've i've made it successfully navigated through here so far. So, I'm going to hop off here, guys. I hope y'all are having a happy new year. If I can ever help you, email me, Brandon at paintersacademy.com. I hope to see you at the Painting Profit Summit virtually or in person, preferably in person, but hopefully virtually. Uh, if you can't make it there because of uh, travel or other issues, I uh, appreciate all of you. Uh, and I'll talk to you next time. Take Thank care. Thank you.
2: Thank
0: you. Thank Take you.
2: Guys.